Where do you uh, where do you think you're gonna do you have any idea where you're gonna land? Oh man. If this would have been about a week and a half ago, I would have said Indianapolis. Um Seattle. I mean it'd probably be the most likely option. Oh, that was Baker Mayfield last month with Mike Period. Formerly known as Mike Studd. Mike Studd. Mike Mike Studd. I love it. I'm Mike Dud. <laughs> you are Mike Dud. I prefer I prefer Turd Ferguson. Hello, Dick Hammer. Hello, how are you? Monday doing? morning. Yeah, good morning. How PFT are you? PFT Live. You doing all Here right? Here we are in Peacock. Sirius XM eighty five. Let me do this first. Hello to our good friends in the UK and Ireland, enjoying the program on Sky Sports, and anyone listening anywhere in the world or beyond via the magic of podcasting. It is PFT Live. We are here. It is one day after Mother's Day. Hopefully all the mothers out there had a great and relaxing day. Hopefully the other people in your life catered to you for a change. Chris, I'm sure that you made sure that Danielle had minimal responsibilities and aggravation for at least one day of her year. I did okay. I mean, my name's Chris Sims, so I'm sure I aggravated her in some way or fashion yesterday, even on Mother's Day. But uh, did like one of my gifts for the weekend. My little boy had early basketball games on Saturday and Sunday morning, 8 a.m. game Saturday morning, right? About 30 minutes away from where we live. So that, I was, that was part of my gift this weekend. Like, I'll get up and go to the games, take him there, deal with all that. You know, got her, uh, you know, a cinema, a cinnabon, some flowers, that kind of stuff. My wife's simple that way on uh, Mother's Day, so we did that. And had a good day with the rest of the family. It was, a, it was a good one. How about you? Do you share your stash with her on Mother's Day? She doesn't want to mess with that. She doesn't mess with that. She's, she's like you. She just wants wine and a drink every now and then. So she doesn't venture down that area. She's like uh, old school Italian gift day for her is like a good meal great food something i don't usually treat myself with that was what it was all about the cinnabon i brought her was probably the best thing she could have had on mother's day that to her is like guilty pleasure she stuffed her face with that in the morning and enjoyed that (laughs) (laughs) so she doesn't need the the uh herbal inducement to have the munchies no she she does not no no she doesn't she grew up in a restaurant you know italian family where food was everything Mike like I go to her house we dated in high school as you know I mean it was always her dad cooking and throwing sauces on stuff and telling me to I was Mr. Picky like oh no I only like to eat this and he'd be like oh here eat this what are you a wimp eat it put it in your mouth and I'd be like okay so he he broke my uh he broke me down a little bit with my palate we had a nice little gathering out on the patio had some Italian food nice afternoon did it fairly early almost like a you know, a, a a bigger holiday, and maybe that's the way to do it. Don't wait till dinner time on Mother's Day. Make it a full afternoon event. It was one of those days where you eat so much in the middle of the afternoon, you don't quite know what to do later yeah, in the day. Right. Like, am I hungry? I should eat something. Yeah, what the hell? I'll eat something, even though I've I've been gorging myself all afternoon. So it was a nice day, and now we are back to reality for at least another week as we get deeper into the offseason programs, deeper into the uncertainty for several of the quarterbacks out there. And the Seahawks had a rookie minicamp this weekend, and Pete Carroll, the coach of the team, has been saying a lot of things about the quarterbacks they have, about quarterbacks they don't have. We played the clip at the top of the show with Baker Mayfield calling Seattle 
the most likely option several weeks ago, in large part because we've been waiting for anything from the Seahawks to emerge, anything to suggest that they are interested in adding Baker Mayfield to a depth chart that currently is led by Geno Smith, Drew Locke, and Jacob Eason. Drew Locke is currently not the number one guy. Now we got a long way to go. Geno Smith, by virtue of being with the team, Pete Carroll said this multiple times, he's got the lead. However, however, Pete Carroll had some high praise for the guy who was just part of the Russell Wilson trade, an add-in, a throw-on the pile. The Broncos don't need him. What the hell? Let's give him to the Seahawks. Drew Locke, here's Pete Carroll with a a very uh, glowing assessment of his new quarterback. Let's have a listen. Pete, if if Drew Locke was in this year's draft, where do you think he would have been picked? I think he'd been the first guy picked, uh, of the quarterbacks anyway. He'd have been the first guy in this draft. Um, I don't have any hesitation saying that. I think he'd have been right up there. That's a hell of a that's a hell of an assessment. Now, I wonder if he means if Drew Locke was Drew Locke was being drafted this year with no track record in the NFL, yeah, or if he was put in there with three years of NFL experience. Because I have a feeling there's a chance he gets assessed higher before we've seen him play at the NFL level with injury issues, inconsistency, not reaching the ceiling that you and I both thought he had as of three years ago. I don't know whether Pete means if we didn't know what we know after three years with the Broncos, if this was just fresh from scratch. Either way, I understand the idea of having you know the guy that's already shown he can do something in the NFL versus the guys who who we don't know what they can do because they haven't had to do it yet. Yeah, I I think he's speaking more to what you laid out there first uh, about if he was coming out in the draft, right? He hadn't been tainted by the last two years in Denver with the, oh, wait, we saw some flashes, but we saw some, whoa, why why did you do that or make that decision? I think he's talking more about draft to draft. And, And really, I would agree with that assessment. You know, again, Drew Locke has big time talent. That that's I don't think that's like debatable. You you watch enough football, Mike. You're obsessed with the sport. You know, you talk about that first game you ever saw Drew Locke on the field against the Houston Texans when he made that start, what was that, two or three years ago? You know, December of twenty eighteen. Twenty nineteen. Years right. are flying by. Twenty nineteen. The Buzz Lightyear game. That was a celebration. Exactly. He tore up the Texans to the point where I thought maybe the Texans would want him sure. this offseason. Sure. I, I thought you. they'd make a play for him. Well, and and like, but the point I was trying, like, you you see talent. That's the one thing I think anybody that watches the game and watches football, you go, oh, there's something to this kid. The reason he didn't get drafted in the first round, you know, the year he did come out of Missouri, was a little bit for the reason that we're still talking about the guy right now, whether we think he can be a starter. You know, he's can, can you trust him? Can you put him in the trust tree to make all the right decisions and the right throws, and maybe not make that one knucklehead play? You know, in a close football game that unfortunately he's made a few times here the last two years to make us question exactly where he's at in his development. But I think from talent wise and like potential wise, yes, he has more talent than Kenny Pickett, who was the first guy off the board. He's a bigger guy. He's probably equal athlete, but a much better arm. And I I would agree with Pete Carroll's assessment there. And he really has been tainted by his three years in the NFL. Injuries have been an issue. 
before he had that great game against the Texans in December of his rookie year, he had missed a lot of time with a wrist injury. And then since then, I mean, look, the guy got beat out by Teddy Bridgewater in an open competition last year for the starting job. No offense to Teddy Bridgewater, but it's not like he lost to Tom Brady in an open competition. Drew Locke had every opportunity to win that job, and he failed. And then, then, then... When Teddy Bridgewater was injured at one point during the season, Drew right. Locke came in and played. And what did he do? That was his chance. What did he do? What yeah. did he do? Didn't he? Didn't no, he? Didn't, didn't do? Play well, the didn't door was open. Of it. Right. Door was open. Right. And he slipped on a banana peel. We had that conversation on Friday. If anybody actually does slip on a banana peel, or if that is just a saying that has been baked into the culture, and I got a bunch of emails about how the molecular structure of the banana peel, there's something in it that makes it slippery when pressure is applied. So. I regret that I brought it up Friday, and I already regret that I brought it up again today. Either way, he slipped on a banana peel when the door was wide open for him to take the starting job. Now the door is open for him to take the starting job from Geno Smith, and they're trying to will it to happen in Seattle. But I – and the reason that we started with Baker Mayfield and the reason that we're even in this – I just have a feeling Pete's up to something here. I have a feeling that Pete's trying to bluff the Browns. And I have a feeling that there is kind of a long con that's going on here where the Seahawks are acting like they don't want Baker Mayfield, even though maybe they do. But they know the Browns are desperate. The Browns have no other option. So they are digging in with the guys they have. And part of that is touting Drew Locke in the hopes of getting... At the end of the day, Baker Mayfield for nothing, for nothing at all. Maybe the Browns just throw their hands in the air and cut him, and they pay him $1.035 million. The Browns pay the balance of the $18.8 million guaranteed salary, and Baker Mayfield becomes a member of the Seahawks. I feel like the Seahawks know that they can play it cool, and maybe they just don't care. Maybe that's the best way I, to negotiate. Mike, I'm with, I'm they don't you. care if they get him or not. Both. And exactly. that's the right attitude. Right, right. If you want to get him, the right attitude is we don't care if we get him. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 that's where I was going to go. I kind of feel like that's where they are. They're like, hey, if he comes available and we don't got to trade anything for him or do that, then, oh, hey, the door's open and we'll have the conversation and do it. But. We're not going to trade anything away right now. Cleveland, I don't know. Nobody knows what Cleveland's doing. You know, they're doing Baker Mayfield dirty. Including Cleveland. Yeah, including Cleveland. They're doing Baker Mayfield dirty. That's a separate conversation. But I think you're right, Mike, too. I think this is one of the few franchises in football that's not like franchise quarterback enamored. Like where they're like, oh, we got to have the guy to win the game. I don't know, Mike. Do you feel that way? I feel like they are that way. You know, I think that's why we've forwarded and heard of conversations of, you know, they didn't want to extend Russell Wilson or maybe they would trade him during the time they were extending him. You know, they won a Super Bowl, as we've discussed many times, with that, you know, young quarterback, rookie contract formula, let's play defense and do all the other things, and then our quarterback will look just fine. So I do think they're one of those teams that's maybe not as desperate. It doesn't put all their eggs into, oh, man, if we don't have our quarterback, you know, we're not going to be the same type of team. I think that's in natural to, to Pete's attitude there for sure. I think there's a desire by Pete Carroll, if not a stubbornness, to prove that they can be I hear you. almost as good without Russell Wilson as they were with Russell Wilson. Now, the response to that would be, well, hell yeah, you never used Russell Wilson the way you should. So it's not like you set a really high bar of achievement offensively with Russell Wilson because you kept wanting to run the football 
and you kept wanting to play defense instead of letting Russ cook. That's where that all came yeah, from. Right. This wasn't some catchphrase that somebody cooked up in a lab somewhere. This was something that was a manifestation of the frustration that Russell Wilson was experiencing because he wasn't allowed to have the offense run through him the way that it runs through a Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and in recent years a Josh Allen. He wanted to be that guy and they never embraced him as that guy. So the bar isn't as high no. as it would be if they had. So it's not as hard for the Seahawks with Geno Smith, Drew Locke, and Jacob Eason to show yeah, you know what? We're almost as good. And wouldn't Pete rather do it without a big name, without Baker Mayfield, without anybody? Where you say, well, well, now we know why your offense was better. You went out and got that quarterback. No, we did it with the guys we had. We did it with Geno Smith, who's been hanging around for a few years. Drew Locke, who was just, well, what are the Broncos going to do with him? Now they have Russell Wilson. He didn't win the job last year. And Jacob Eason, who washed out in Indianapolis when he had a chance to be the replacement last year when Carson Wentz was injured. And and we still got it done. Yeah, we still got it done yeah. because what did we do? We ran the ball and we played defense. I I think that's the way they're going to look at it. I, I you know I, I think it'll be a competition between Drew Locke and Geno Smith, and they'll let just the best guy win. And where Drew Locke might have a little of the advantage right now, I don't I don't know. Maybe just because of the trade assets, Geno of course has been there and knows the offense. These two guys have talent. And to your point, Michael, what Pete Carroll's saying or thinking or what we think he's thinking, you know. I mean, what this what just happened this past season came close to justifying kind of what you're saying. I mean, they didn't they didn't lose to the Rams because of Geno Smith. Geno Smith was the surprise of that game when he came in, and he played really good and had a receiver fall down. We were all going, man, the Seahawks, the offense is doing okay. It doesn't look that bad. It's not that much different. And then, I, let me see if I got this right. Then the next week was the Pittsburgh game. They hung in there to the very end of the football game. Geno Smith, who didn't even, they didn't even do a lot throwing the ball or doing stuff in the first half. Second half, it came together. They lose to the Saints by three points, all right, in a tight, tough football game where it wasn't great statistics, and then they blew out Jacksonville. So, yeah, the stats are going to show that he went one for three, but, like, to me, putting myself back in that time, they didn't lose those games because of Geno Smith. It wasn't the quarterback issue. It was all team issues, and they weren't playing all that great or that good you know, before Russell got hurt anyways. So uh, I think to your point there, Pete Carroll does have that attitude of let's play defense, let's run the ball, special teams, our quarterback will take care of the ball and make a play here and there, and that's how we're going to play ball up in Seattle. And, and I, I think that's – I think you're right, Mike. I think Pete's kind of piping down that lane a little bit there. One and two as a starter, one and three if you include yeah, sorry. the Rams in, game. Right. But the Rams game, the Ram look, the, 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 the Rams, Rams game. Controlling, right? He he was uh doing well. They right. were chanting his name. I right. mean, he gave that team a spark when he came he in. Did. We expected them to fall apart. He gets pressed into service against a great team, great defense like the Rams, and and he made it happen. 10 for 17, he was in that game with 131 yards, a touchdown, an interception. That interception was at the end of the game when the receiver fell down. Right. They were driving. They had the opportunity. It, right. The table was set. It was going to be an exciting finish, and that drive uh, petered out before it really got started. But yeah, lost by three points at Pittsburgh. Lost by three points against the Saints on a Monday night. Blew out the Jaguars. And you blow out the Jaguars 31-7. to All of a sudden, Russell Wilson's ready to come back and play. And <laughs> yeah, they they exactly lost three right. in a row. <laughs> they lost three in a row when Russell Wilson came back because he came back before he was ready to come back. Yeah. Because, hey, Geno Smith, 20 for 24. <laughs> 
20 for 24 with a passer rating of 128.3. Yeah. That'll 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 make that middle finger heal a lot faster than it otherwise would have for Russell Wilson. And again, I do think he came back too soon. So they have a guy that they trust in Geno Smith. Right. And this was without the reps as the starter. This is thrust into service. What does he do if they're able to spend? If he if he outperforms Drew Locke, which, again, he's getting the first crack to do so. Yeah, yeah. People don't want to believe that. They just assume Drew Locke walks through the door as the starter. Pete Carroll has said multiple times, Geno's experience in the system with the team gives him the edge. That doesn't mean Locke can't take it, but Geno's got the edge, and we'll see if Geno runs with it and what happens there. But I, I look, th- this is the best way to send a message to the Browns that we're not giving you anything. For Baker Mayfield. Right. We're just 100%. not. We're not interested in Baker right. Mayfield. Would we take him if we could get him for nothing? Yes, we would. But we're not interested. We're not trading you anything of value for Baker Mayfield. And that was something else Pete Carroll said recently. He doesn't see the Seahawks trading for a veteran quarterback. Now, I don't know if he said we have no intention to trade for a veteran quarterback. We know what happens after he says no intention. So, so beware if that's the case. That means they're giving up a third-round pick for Baker Mayfield this week. But I, I really do think they have the mindset that is conducive to them getting a good deal for Baker Mayfield. They just don't want him, or at least they're not acting like they yeah. want him, and they're happy to go forward with who they have. Yeah, they're not scared. I, I think that's what it is. They're not scared to go forward with who they have. I think, like, Baker, if they have a chance to get him, it's just like icing on the cake. Great. But they're still going in the season going, so what? Great. Gino or Drew? Uh, we're going to get it done. Uh, they're they're a psycho bunch. They have great you know belief in themselves and their energy and their culture up there, and that's why they don't they they're more about the culture and the team than you know the quarterback being the guy in the building and let's frame everything around him. That's where they're a little different than most teams in the NFL. And these are two guys that you know again, Geno, Drew Locke. Yeah, there's been a few bumps in the road here and there, sure, but there's they're starting caliber traits with both of these guys you know not to say they could ever be one of the top 10 quarterbacks or anything like that but like these two guys here wouldn't be like shocking to me if they did get to Seattle and had a good year and was a starter there and played pretty good and then they're they are a starter in the NFL for a few years they both got good size they're both pretty good athletes they both have pretty good arms you know, even for Baker Mayfield, going up there and messing with those two, that ain't going to be fun. It's not, it's not going to just be like, oh, you're going to dominate them and kill them in practice and be the starter for sure. No way. Not way. I mean, these guys were borderline first-round talents as well. They were, you know, early second, and that's where it's a little dicey too. The Baker Mayfield thing is crazy. With Cleveland adding it into it, Seattle's approach, lack of teams that are going to be available for Baker Mayfield, that's where I've gotten into the last 10 days of – you know, like I've, I've tr- like like got out of like whoa Deshaun Watson's there more and like I can't believe how much Cleveland screwed over Baker Mayfield. That's where I've gotten with this, and this makes it even tougher for Baker May- Mayfield with these two guys there in Seattle already. We talked about this on Thursday. Yeah, yeah, I know. Then on Thursday afternoon, there was a story that came from ESPN.com's Jake Trotter that I believe has the fingerprints of Baker Mayfield sure. and or people close to him all over it. I think this is part of the effort 
to get out of Cleveland right. to demonstrate how dysfunctional and toxic it was there. A lot of allegations, a lot of reporting in the article. And the one thing that really stood out to me, that really got my attention, the thing that makes me think this bridge cannot be rebuilt, it has been obliterated, blown to smithereens. The notion that Mayfield and or people close to him believe week 17, prime time at Pittsburgh, they let him flop around like a fish in a boat because they wanted to lay the foundation to move on from him. Let's let him go out there and look like crap in the last Monday night game of the year, the night that the clouds parted and God's hand ascended from down on high to, to retrieve Ben Roethlisberger and bring him home that night, that special Ben's exit from Pittsburgh. Mayfield was horrible. They left him in the game late. He threw an interception. The belief for Mayfield's camp that the Browns wanted to make him look, and the word from the article was hapless, if that belief is there, there's no coming back from that. You don't mend that fence. Time does not heal that wound. He is done with them. They are done with him. Why is he playing along? Why would he play along with this ruse to just kind of hold on to his rights in the hopes that an opportunity emerges at some point to dump him onto some other team and get a face-saving fourth-round pick? I don't think he's going to go for it. Now, I don't know what his next move is going to be, yeah. but we saw what the move was Thursday. The move Thursday was supply a guy at ESPN.com with enough stuff to put together a 3,000-word article that makes it obvious to anyone who reads that article, it's done between the Browns and Baker Definitely. Mayfield. Yes, 100%. Done. But, like, we knew it was done. That's why we're shocked. That's why we're shocked. Like, as soon as they said they were going to Houston to flirt with Deshaun Watson, if I knew that on immediate, like, right, like, I mean, I would go, oh, well, they're done with Baker Mayfield. It's done. He's going to be done with them for sure. I don't, I don't even know Baker Mayfield that well, but he'll be done with them. And, I mean, I would think they're done with him. I, that, that's where the whole thing is shocking. It's like they thought, well, wait, he'll be fine over here. We've only spent four years with this guy over here. Apparently, you don't know him. I don't know. You didn't spend enough time with him to think that he was just going to be cool with that. But, yes, you're right. And, Mike, I mean, that's, that's you know, a big statement about leaving him in there, floundering, you know, in week 17 like you're talking about. You know, it's a, cop a topic that you know, my dad, my dad has said this to me over the last week, and I think he's right here with this conversation, and you might like this a little bit because you know, he watches the show and he sees our subjects come up, and he just goes, he saw us talking about Baker last week, and he goes, hey, the one thing I would say any quarterback that's ever in Baker Mayfield's situation ever again, year four, contract looming, anything, don't ever play injured ever again. You can't do it. Everybody just no, – nobody takes into context the reality of where the player was physically. They're holding them to what they saw in the field, and the guy was – you know, giving us all he's got and tape and whatever batteries to go out there and play and be the team guy that all the fans want and every team's fan base wants. I want our quarterback to be tough and love football. He did that, and then they just said, ah, screw you, you didn't play good. We want to get you the hell out of here. And there's a lesson to be learned there for future quarterbacks, and they've done Baker Mayfield dirty there in Cleveland. He's wearing that big-ass contraption that's right. sneaking out from the bottom right. of his shoulder pads yeah. every week, putting that harness on. Now, part of it was his own stubbornness. No doubt. And he resisted not playing because he didn't want to give Case Keenum the opportunity to come in and show, hey, sure. hey Case can get sure. it done. Maybe we ride with Case next year and not Baker Mayfield. And, of course, it all traces back to that moment that you see on the screen. 
he's the one that got himself injured because yeah. he decided to make the tackle after throwing the interception week two. That goes back to something I say all the time about quarterbacks. You throw an interception, a turnover happens, find a way to just squat, duck and cover, roll up like a pill bug. <laughs> don't do anything. Don't do the Teddy Bridgewater. Go try to get in the way and don't then do that. turn into a bullfighter and say, Olay. Don't do that. <laughs> just get down where you are and stay safe. Let it be 11 on 10 at that point. They're not going to blame you if you're 30 yards away from the action. That's true. Just fall down. Grab your knee. Fake an injury. Do whatever you need to do. Don't get near the action because this is what happens. But regardless of what the motivation was, because I really do think there's stubbornness. It's his job. He said things like that. I'll decide when I can play and when I can't play. So part of it is personality driven, but he didn't want to come out. I know. He didn't want to come out. And that, you know, Shereen Williams, who has uh, good cause to trademark this phrase, she has started saying, fine, if you're not injured, then you suck. You know, when 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 guys claim they're fine and they're going to keep playing, okay, fine. If you're not injured, then you just suck. I, and, well, and you're, know. you know, if, if you refuse to come out, that's what you get. So to to the big effort's point, yeah. and hi, hi, Phil, Hello. if you're watching, yeah. Yeah, get get off the field if you're injured because you are going to be judged by the same standard everybody else on the field is judged by if you're playing. No, no doubt. I, you know, again, you know, maybe if you're established enough, you're Tom Brady, you're Aaron Rodgers, and you want to gut through some games like that, and you know it might not be pretty. Okay, yeah, you, know, you you've done enough in your career to be able to to withhold or withstand that storm of oh, I didn't play my best football, and so what? I could take those bullets. Baker Mayfield, we know it was, you know. It was on the, I don't want to say on the fence, but certainly questions about whether he was the future guy and, and everything there. And now, okay, wait, the team's not winning and he's not playing good because he's injured and all those, it's, it's affecting the way he plays. Yeah, now the year's over and nobody really cares or remembers the details of your injury. We just sit there and go, you didn't play that great. You know, it wasn't that good. And here we are stuck in a situation where not all to his doing, He's in a tough spot. He really is. I don't know how this plays out. I don't know what Cleveland's doing. I really don't. Um, but I think this is truly, like, it, this is, in my opinion, this is up there with one of the biggest screw jobs I can remember here recently. I'm, Tell me what yeah. the screw job is in your assessment. Yeah. What did the Browns do to Baker Mayfield that you think they shouldn't have done? I, I just, I'm just curious. I'm, I know. I'm not no, going to no. I know you, you know. I know you know. I know. Yeah, you're right. I, I'm Because we haven't even discussed this or text. I just feel like okay, he was, he was a little blindsided by this. And the way it went down, they never gave him a chance here at all to really find a spot. That, that's the worst thing about it. So they kind of dangled him along and then got in the Watson thing. And then that dangled on for a little bit. And then they realized, oh, wait, we're not going to get Baker Mayfield. And they go back to Deshaun Watson and give him the greatest contract ever because they realized they screwed it up with Baker Mayfield. And at that point in the process – you know, I just feel like, hey, this is your number one pick. It's a guy who played through injury and tried to be tough. And, yeah, he's not perfect. I'm sure he's a pain in the ass behind the scenes a little bit. But he loves football and plays hard for your team and has done a lot of good things and kind of put Cleveland back on the map a little bit. And you basically waited till all the seats were filled at quarterback positions and then, you know, screwed him over personally right there with the team that he's kind of put his life into. That's where I guess I feel like they screwed him over, Mike. I know it's a dirty business and it's it, everybody gets screwed over at some point, but it's rare to see a number one pick, you know, going into year four or five get get screwed over like this.
Well, they didn't deliberately wait because they had to have Deshaun Watson I know. before they would be done with Baker Mayfield. It is stupid that they would think they could chase Deshaun Watson, right, right. not get him, and then say, all right, Baker, let's get ready for the season. And I- I've had people in the media that I respect and, and trust make the argument, well, you know, he-, he knew. He knew what was going on. They-, they were very transparent with him about what was going on. Well, just because they told his agents at the scouting combine that they're going to explore getting Deshaun Watson or Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, not Tom Brady. I'm just throwing that in there to rile up the Bucks fans. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, or Deshaun Watson, even though they told him then, what did they tell him at the end of the season? It was the Week 8, 18 Sunday Splash Report from NFL Media that was then confirmed by the Browns. He's our guy. He's our guy, right. Not not he's our guy unless others come available. We somehow, you know, can bring Otto Graham from 1940 back to play for us, or or we can get some. No, he's our guy. So they were transparent about the fact that they 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 were lying to him. Right. Well, sorry, Baker. Pay no attention to what we told you six weeks ago. We've changed our mind. And this is where... And then it goes... This is where... Yeah, go ahead. ahead. I'd love to cross-examine somebody on this. Right. Because early January, you're our guy. Yeah. Scouting combine, you may not be our guy. Deshaun Watson gets traded for in March. This was a five-month project by the Browns. Well, I ain't too good at math, but the project was going on. At the time they told that's Baker Mayfield, I mean. you're our guy. That's what I mean. So That's weird. And, and look, look, hey, there's no obligation for these teams to be honest with anyone. But yeah. if you're going to lie to your starting quarterback, your supposed franchise guy, kind of hard to get anyone else in the organization to believe anything you say. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the, no doubt about it. So either they, they've lied either way there. I mean, either way you want to talk about it, you just go, well, yeah, they lied. They lied either way, whether it was he's the guy, he's the future, or, you know, been doing our due diligence on Deshaun Watson for five months. But then to follow it up, too, with he's our guy. So, again, letting him believe that, you know, his agent doesn't need to be – they don't need to be looking for teams or looking for the next move. They've been led to nothing to believe that. And then all of a sudden it's we want a grown-up at quarterback and we're flirting with Deshaun Watson out of nowhere. I mean, that's where it hit us. I don't know what they said to him before that. But either way – I mean, that's not exactly the way you uh, try to salvage a relationship or, you know, kick the can down the road and buy yourself a little time is, you know, have those type of statements out there. That was, again, another low blow after, you know, the circumstances and where we were at in the offseason for Baker Mayfield. And that was the double whammy. March 15 was when the Browns Brain Trust made the trip to Houston to meet with Deshaun Watson. March 16, Chris Mortensen says the Browns want an adult in the room. And I know that source guessing is frowned upon in this establishment, not this specific establishment, but in this business. But I'm telling you what, there's no way Mort says that unless he's hearing it from Jimmy Haslam. There's no way. There's no way Mort's coming out and making these broad negative proclamations about quarterbacks unless he's hearing it from ownership-level sources. Somebody now, Haslam level. later denied it, yeah. but Mayfield, Mayfield hears that, and he's like, wait a minute, one of, the, one of the most respected and tenured guys on the national beat is saying this. He's not just pulling it out of his ass. Right. Sorry, London. Yeah. He's he's sorry. He's heard it we from somebody high up. We're, we are getting, we are getting a little loose here. Yeah. I will apologize. Although we, I passed around a clip of our good friend Joe Scarbo 
dropping an S bomb on Friday, and it's like, look, if they're saying, and they're still, they're, they're on, they're on, you know, basic cable, and yeah. they're dropping S bombs. Right. We're gonna say whatever the we want around here. <laughs> no, no, first of all, somebody's got to notice before <laughs> before we get in any trouble. But anyway, uh, Mort didn't pull it out of his ass or any other orifice, and uh, that 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 was the the that's the one two punch. Right, that was it. They went to they went to Houston. That's bad enough. Then the next day, we want an adult at the position. He's done. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. And 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 see this. This gets back to the point we made on Thursday, right? At a time when NFL teams are becoming more willing to accommodate players who are no longer happy, and Chris Ballard, the Colts GM, had a great answer or two when I interviewed him last week about this whole idea of we want volunteers not hostages yeah he quoted the mike tomlin phrase right. the idea that you don't want guys in your building who don't want to be there it's not good for the team if you got guys who don't want to be there well guess what now you got a guy who doesn't want to be there and all you can hope at this point is he he accepts your invitation to not show up you can't have him there he's got every right under the cba and his employment contract to be there that's the next frontier. In I this. can't wait. That's the next. That's the next battle between the Browns and Baker Mayfield. Does he show up? And what happens when he does? And let me just say one other thing. I hope he does. This. Let me let me say this. Yeah. Because this came up last week with the Hugh Jackson stuff, the four-year plan that created this brouhaha over yeah. whether or not they were tanking or rebuilding. Tomato, tomato. What does Paul D. Podesta do other than screw things up for the Browns? I mean, what does he really do? Chief strategy officer. He's got a great gig. He's never accountable for anything. When you have the term chief strategy officer, that's a fancy way of saying he's the guy who tries to come up with angles, tries to come up with stuff, tries to come up with plans that may be a little devious, that may be a little bit against the grain, that may be a little outside the box. That help us get to what we want to get. Well, you haven't gotten all that much with this guy, frankly. You got to the final eight, but that was largely because of Baker Mayfield, the guy you're now throwing overboard. But Chief Strategy Officer Paul D. Podesta better have a damn good strategy for when Baker Mayfield shows up and says, I'm here and I'm ready to work. Uh, I, I hear you yeah. may need a quarterback the first six weeks of the season or right. longer. I'm here to I'm here to work and I'm here to play. If he does that. Then they got a problem. Uh, uh, no, no question. I, I mean, I'm I'm dying for the day for somebody to do that. Other than Steve Mc, the grit, the late great Steve McNair, R.I.P. Back in the day, that's the only guy we've ever had that's that's done that. And of course, you know, you've explained that uh, they, Dante they, Culpepper did it in Miami. Did he do it? He in did Miami, it in Miami too? after that. Okay, okay. Yeah. I when they were about done that. with him and trying to get rid of him, right. he showed up and they found a way to kind of tuck him off to the side, not expose him to injury. Because the whole idea is, yeah. And and the, the traditional approach with McNair was he had an eleven million dollar salary cap number. Either way, they were going to trade him. They wanted to get rid of him. They didn't want him to have some freak accident right. during offseason workouts. And now you can't trade him. The Browns already owe Baker Mayfield eighteen point eight million. That doesn't matter. But they still don't, they they just for the reasons we discussed. They exactly. don't, you don't want him around. Don't want him in the you don't want him in the building. Right. You got you already got twenty two distractions from your starting quarterback. You don't need a twenty third no. from the guy that you don't want on your team anymore. It'd be the greatest. So just pull the pull the pin and get rid of him. <laughs> right. It'd be the greatest damn drama story in, in NFL offseason history. I mean that's why I'm, I mean you know we we like good stories and we like dysfunction a little bit because it gives us something to talk about. You know, but yeah, that would be what. 
Oh, there's Deshaun Watson, 22 civil law cases. They're trying to teach him a new offense, and there goes Baker Mayfield through the door. Like, what's up, team? Screw all of you, but I'm here. Hey, coaches, screw you. I'm here, though. Let's work. Let's do it. I mean, he can make things real uncomfortable, and I think get to the ending that he wants to get by going there and, you know, showing up. That will expedite the process to where – then maybe he can be free and go to Seattle or Carolina or somewhere else that we don't see on our radar. And this is the deeper flaw in the organization, and this is why no matter what the Browns have done to become a better football team, there is dysfunction baked into the way ownership runs the team because the big decisions made by the Browns are the manifestation of the wishes of ownership. Treating a player like property, treating a player like you own him, And we're going to do whatever we want to do because we have your name on a piece of paper. Never mind the fact that it was something you had to sign when you were the first overall pick in 2018, that the CBA gives us the ability to pick up the fifth-year option that you're now under the auspices of. We are going to treat you like chattel, like property, like a belonging without regard to what you want to be, what you want for your career, what we can do to help facilitate a smoother transition because we've decided to move on without you. See, this is a sunk cost in my mind. The $18.8 million, when you're paying Deshaun Watson 230 over the next five years and you're not even sure he's going to play a single game this season, the $18.8 million that you're going to pay Baker Mayfield minus whatever he makes somewhere else, that's a sunk cost. Yeah. That's a cost of doing business. The business that you got into right. when you decided to, to choke the bird in the hand – while you were looking for the two in the bush. Yeah. And now you're still holding on to the bird in the hand. See, this is what's fundamentally wrong. This is what feels morally wrong about what the Browns are doing. Agreed. And I don't care about your contractual rights, Jimmy Haslam. Yeah. What I care about is how you treat your people, because I guarantee you your current players and your future players are going to care about that too. What they are doing is they got the two in the bush, and they're choking the bird in the hand until they get favorable terms by which they can let that bird fly away. That's why they're screwing him over, Chris. That, that, see, and that's why you're the with sooner me they now? let him go, yeah. the better. I was with you anyway. I, know. Okay, I just wanted good. to hear why you thought they okay, were screwing good. him over. All right. <laughs> but the sooner they let him go, the, the, the sooner they are acting like a normal functioning business. Right. Because right now, they're not. No. And I don't care. Send me the hostile emails. Come on, text messages. Come on, <laughs> PR. And but, Oh, why do you say this? Oh, you don't like the Browns. No. I don't like this kind of behavior. And even if Baker Mayfield's been a giant pain in your ass for four years, you drafted him. You had a chance to do the homework. Buddy Boy's the one that picked him. You you picked up the fifth-year option. I know. That's why, you know, all the reasons we could list why the Giants didn't pick up the fifth-year option on Daniel Jones. Holy shit, look at what happened to the Browns <laughs> with Baker Mayfield. We're not touching Seriously. the fifth-year option. <laughs> you didn't have to pick up the fifth-year option, and you did. Yeah. No, I, I, that's what, it, that's you know, you, you laid it out right. That's where it's like, you know, they've made this bed, and, you know, they, they don't want to lay in it. Uh, they don't. It's like they don't want to deal with the – the, the circumstances they've, they've put forth here. And, yeah, they've kind of been stringing him along here. As, they've, as, they've, as they seem, you know, again, they could say this was a five-month plan for Deshaun Watson. I don't buy it. I'm just going to say that. I don't buy that crap. But it seems like they've been kind of just making it up as they go a little bit. Like, what? oh, wait, Watson, All right, let's make a play. Let's see what's going on. Oh, well, oh, wait, Baker's mad. Oh, oh, wait, let's see if we can soothe it over. It's like it, it, there was no chief 
strategy here, it didn't sound like, to back to your point. Oh, it that. came down to a Hail Mary. Yeah. That's the thing. The five-month strategy came down to it, a Hail Mary. Pretty much. I mean, Let's you're right. Let's fully guarantee the, the $230 million squad, over five yeah, years. The analytics yeah. squad just yeah. threw a ball up in the middle of a pile. You're <laughs> right. Exactly right. That's that, Which is hilarious. And they thought it was a touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> they thought it was a touchdown until the blowback came. <laughs> yes, no doubt. Um, no doubt. God, so, the so Browns is the Browns. They are right Juju now. Juju was right. Yeah. The Browns is the Browns. I feel bad for Kevin Savannah. I do. Uh, again, these are things that are not made like he doesn't he's not a part of these decisions. He's not like calling roster shots. He's stuck in a really tough spot here. You know, I know I've been one to like question Stefanski and I wish the offense was a little more create creative and stuff, but there's still plenty good he's done. It's still been an unbelievable run game. And now here he is having to deal with this, too. So you're affecting his job and his ability to communicate with the team like all you're saying. The player's going to look at Stavansky and think he's a liar and a bullcrapper, and you're going to go, no, no, he's he's just along for the ride, just like you guys are here. This is all De Podesta and the group up front making these decisions. He might have had a say here and there, so I do feel bad for him there. I do. And then, Mike, you brought up, I saw the article this weekend, like, I just want to hear your two cents on it. What about Baker Mayfield? Should he take, you know, pay, take some of the money off as guaranteed and maybe get him to go somewhere else? Uh, you know, I just wanted to hit you there. I, I, I guess we discussed well, this to say don't do that because just show up at the facility and they're going to have issues big time. There's there's one risk, though, yeah, in that? showing up. I'm glad we got back around to this. Okay, good. Because if, if he crosses a line. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. He gets the Earl Thomas treatment. Uh-huh. Where you can you can you can cut a guy whose salary is guaranteed as long as you're cutting him for a reason other than skill injury or cap. And there's specific language in the CBA in the termination form, personal conduct, detrimental to the best interest of the team, something like that. That's what the Ravens did with Earl Thomas. Yeah. Now now whether or not you win the grievance is a different issue, but that's at least something you can cling to. And if you can bait Baker Mayfield into crossing a line, then maybe you can do it. But this is why I say the Browns is the Browns. If if this is the strategy that Chief Strategy Officer Paul DePodesta has come up with, well, you know what? If he does, we have this big flow chart here on the wall. Like it's like the the conspiracy Mike uh, <laughs> from Always Sunny with all the all the red lines drawn. Here's our right. flow chart. Baker Mayfield shows up, then you know we well okay at some point we know how he is. At some point, he's going to say something or do something. You know, yeah. we're going to paper the file. Anytime he gives anyone a dirty look, anytime he says anything under his breath, anytime he says anything sarcastic, we're going to send a little note. We're going to build a file. We're going to build a record. And then we're going to cut him for conduct detrimental to the best interest of the team. We're not going to pay him. That's what we'll do. That's our that's our leverage yeah. over him if he yeah. shows up and tries to tries to jostle his way out from inside. Right. Again, why do you want to exactly? That's scary that. to do that. Why? It's gambling. Exactly that, right. That is, and it is it is completely. The opposite of what you should be trying to exactly. do. Exactly. You should be trying opposite. to lay the foundation to win football games, yes. not engage in this high-level $18.8 million battle with your former starting quarterback. No, that's that's why you can't win consistently. This is, this is one of the, the fundamental reasons why the Browns is the Browns. They're so caught up in trying to emerge from this Baker Mayfield transaction with a victory that – they're they're gonna lose sight of the goal yeah, of the getting victories, victories on, the, on field. the football field. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah. You're right. I mean, this is not 
it's not the type of thing, you know, to your point there, even with that with Baker Mayfield, if they did show up and they start to build a file and they're trying to trick him or all that, it just goes against the culture of everything you tried to explain about a winning football team and, you know, going in the right direction. And, and like what you explained about players trusting the coaches in the front office and the organization, you know, if they see that stuff going down, you know, again, they're always going to be players because there's only so much money to go around, but it won't be a place that's, you know, hot for, oh, we players want to go here in free agency. Definitely not. They got a lot of issues there right now, uh, and, and they have no one to blame but themselves. But I do know they are absolutely, and I want to say it loud and proud, they are absolutely effing over Baker Mayfield. I'll hold it back for Monday morning. It's a little too close to Mother's Day still. All right, but they are effing him over. Thank you. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I've, I've, I'm trying to find a way where we can just kind of halfway say it right. under our breath. Right. Like I'm trying to do that with the S bomb <laughs> yeah. a little bit yeah, and yeah. kind of get away with it a little bit and say I really didn't say it. Yeah, <laughs> I really didn't say it. Uh, uh, again, first we would have to be called out for saying, and it hasn't happened yet. It, even after the day that you drop the F bomb and I say, well, this is where we take a break and come back and read off an apology we don't mean. Let's just not do that. We don't apologize. Yeah, Nobody yeah. ever said boo about that. So I don't know. Maybe, no, no. Maybe I got away with it. To, I kept waiting for the boss. Out how to ride the bike on our own. I maybe kept they waiting. want us to. I was scared. I'm not going to lie. I was scared because then, you know, I, it, I saw a little article written about it, too. How, like, you know, yes. I said it, right, right? Bad announcing or something. Right, I said something about awful us. announcing, awful yes. announcing. You know, yeah. and uh, I was like, "Oh no, definitely." You said it, and I said, "We're not sorry. We're not, a, we're not sorry." That's why you're my guy right there. But I thought for sure, like, "Oh man, I'm going to hear the boss." And the boss was in the building a few times last week, and he came up to me and he was kind of looking at me, and I was like, "Oh, here we go. He's going to tell me to stop saying bad words on the show." And he never said it, so we got lucky. He was busy that week, I think, traveling and doing some different things. So I think we uh, we flew under the radar on that one. I think at some point, I think at some point, silence is acceptance. Yeah. I think at some point. Okay, good. I think, I'm trying to get you in trouble. Today. I know. You, you, I think you, at you, some you, point, I know you if did. they don't tell us to clean it up, they've yeah. just kind of gone along with it, right? I, so I don't know what that point is. Yeah. But uh, uh, at some point, we're just like, what the hell? Hey. Uh, you, you, Welcome to Peacock. Not, it's not like this is some, it's not like <laughs> this is some new development. I, I watch plenty of the offerings on Peacock. I hear plenty of salty and coarse language exactly. on the right. offerings on Peacock. And there's other stuff, too, that we don't have on this show that's on the offerings on Peacock. So, you know, if we want to periodically or more often than that drop an S-bomb or an F-bomb, I think we should be allowed to. I agree. But, uh, anyway, let's go ahead and take a break. All right. Uh, oh, and before we do take a break, yeah. let, let me just say this. Paul D. Podesta, you want to come on and explain your strategy? You're more than you're more than welcome to. Andrew Barry, GM of the team, you want to come on and talk about it? Come on. Jimmy Haslam, you want to come on and talk about it? Come on down. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about what you're doing to Baker Mayfield. M- make your case. Don't go hide. Don't go hide. We'll, we'll, we'll gladly give you space to tell us exactly why you're doing what you're doing. We'll listen. We won't be hostile. We'll be polite. I mean, my God, I don't know. There's nothing they can really say at this point. We know what they're doing. We know what they're doing. Right. They got the two birds out of the bush, and they're choking the bird in the hand until they get exactly what they want. And they ain't going to get it. That's what's what's so weird about this. You're you're waiting for something to happen that happens once every 50 years, a non-contact, catastrophic quarterback injury that suddenly opens the door for a trade, assuming that that team doesn't say, we're just going next man up because that's yeah. kind of what they do. No, I know. And to add to your point there, this is great that you're bringing it up. 
There might be another guy that teams like with Jimmy Garoppolo being healthy there. If you are, you're waiting. They might go, well, okay, we'll take Jimmy Garoppolo. We don't actually don't want him. There's another guy in the same boat where the same team is hoping for the same scenario. That, to me, clouds the, the, the conversation there a little bit as well. And lest we be accused of being pro-Baker Mayfield here, let's make this very obvious point. You got one guy with a history of his teammates loving him. You got another guy with a history of his teammates not really caring for him. So between Jimmy G and Baker, you're going to be more likely to gravitate toward Jimmy G. And then you, you, you know, maybe the 49ers cut you a better deal. That, that's, see, that's the thing. It's not like the Eagles in, in 2016 when Teddy Bridgewater's right. knee implodes and they're just sitting on Sam Bradford and they supposedly were planning to go forward with him as the starter that year with Carson Wentz as the backup. Oh, a one in a four? Oh, you can take Sam Bradford. You got multiple teams now. I mean, Rick Spielman, the former GM of the Vikings, would have loved this situation after Teddy Bridgewater tore up his knee. We got two. We can leverage them against each other. There's going to be a competition there between the 49ers and the Browns. So you're right. It's not like it's automatic. First, first the team has to choose to go something other than next man up. Then they may take the other guy over your guy. So, I, I just, Browns, you if, hey, look, Browns fans, don't get mad at us. We're, we're advocating on we're your behalf. We're actually trying to help them, yeah. First of all, they bring a guy to town that's got 22 pending civil lawsuits without an expectation that he settled them before, like Stephen Ross had in Miami. For all of his flaws and faults, yeah, that was right. He there. wasn't touching Deshaun Watson yeah. until he settled those cases. Mm-hmm. So you bring the guy to town. You've got Browns fans. You've got to deal with this now. You've got to deal with your family members and friends and other people that you know giving you a hard time. You have to carry around the distraction that comes and the embarrassment that comes from having a starting quarterback that's got these allegations of sexual misconduct during massage therapy sessions. I know they're not proven yet, but they're still there. You've got to deal with them as fans of the Browns. And now on top of all that, there's this other sideshow of what they're going to do with Baker Mayfield is they clumsily try to get a fourth-round pick or whatever the hell they think they're going to get. They're going to offload some of the salary and get something back in return. Uh, Browns, sorry, it ain't happening. It's just not happening. And even if you ultimately get what you want in late August or whenever, it doesn't undo the damage you're doing to the team now, the interest of the team now. Having this cloud continue to hover with the other clouds yeah, that you've welcomed right. by trading for Deshaun Watson. It's, it's so obvious to me, and I think it should be obvious to a Browns fan. I agree. How much of this crap do you want us to deal with? Yeah. Let's just clear out the one that we can control. Let's release Baker Mayfield, deal with whatever the aftermath is, except the fact that the $17.7 million we we're, we're going to have to pay him is a sunk cost for the Deshaun Watson transaction and move on. And let's abandon this idea that well, Deshaun Watson gets suspended the whole year. Maybe Baker Mayfield comes back and plays. He, he's not coming back and playing for you. Well, then he won't get his $18.8 million. You don't want to play that game. There's a way you can move the pieces on the chessboard and put them in checkmate. But while you do that, you are effing up your other interests. You may win against Baker Mayfield, but that victory does not show up in the standings. That yeah. victory does not get you into the playoffs, and that victory doesn't get you any closer to the one thing that you've never done, which is get to a Super Bowl. That, that, so... So don't get so stupidly caught. See, well, this is Paul D. Podesta justifying his existence. Paul, I'm chief strategy officer. I got to have a strategy for this. Sometimes your best strategy is no strategy. Just cut the cord and move on. Agreed. Well, anyway. well said. I'm with you there. I, I mean, all the way. You're right. The benefits of winning this battle are not going to be worth 
the issues it's going to cause your franchise. And that's where yeah. you'd want to cut the cord, 100%, yeah. Mike. Congratulations, Browns. You win this stare down with Baker. You win. You won. What'd you, what did you win? Oh, we got a we got a fourth round pick instead of a fifth round pick. Oh, we we are only paying we're only paying nine point seven million instead of ten point five million. Big effing deal. Because yeah. through it all, it is a distraction to your team that already has enough of them currently. Let's take a break. Where was retired? Another distraction for the Las Vegas. Raiders, a surprise development on Friday that leads to some strong accusations. Where does that go for the Las Vegas Raiders? We'll discuss that next on this Monday edition of PFT Live. 